I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to the OP Radio podcast. It's about time. I've only been wearing their stuff all summer long. I'm talking about bird dogs. Bird dog shorts, pants, joggers with built-in underwear are the most comfortable shorts, pants, joggers ever. Go to birddogs.com, enter the promo code OP, O-P-I-E, and they'll throw in a free bird dogs whistle tip football. Box Studios, 500 feet above New York City, overlooking, uh, what, the Hudson River, looking at that boat uh, going across the river, and uh, New Jersey in the background as the sun goes down. This is a hell of a view tonight, my goodness. You got Ken Kramer first on the YouTube, and then you got Jamie Marie Day. She's a regular. What's up, Jamie? Mason, of course. Hi, Mason. How are you, buddy? Uh, who else we got? Vinny Castiglione. Hello, man. So I went to get parts, sat out on the sidewalk supporting Matt and the gang, and uh, we couldn't get the Wi-Fi to work. So then I did an Instagram live. My wife told me that I had a, uh, a big dick. And then, uh, and now here we are, home. Home is where I'd rather be. Graham Crawford the fourth. Here we go again. Opie bragging about his big D again. We know. <laughs> oh, do you think Anthony watches your live streams now that he knows you answer any O and A related questions? I don't know, and I don't care. I don't care. Don't call me daughter. Oh my God, Matt was playing um, ZZ Top's first album while we're hanging out drinking today. I forgot how good fucking ZZ Top's first album was. Ant definitely watches the stream. Why? Ew, I don't watch him. Ew, don't do that. Why would you watch this? Billy Gibbons' new album was very good. I didn't even know he did solo shit. And I really, really like uh, ZZ Top. I think ZZ Top gets a bad rep because um, back in the day with MTV, they did the ZZ Top Eliminator album, I think. They had all those poppy songs like Legs and uh, Give Me All Your Lovin'. And they had all the girls and stuff. But uh, when it comes down to it, ZZ Top is a bad-ass Texas blues band. They play that dirty blues band, which is way better than their pop hits. Uh, the $1 bill was released in Manhattan. No one came forward. 100%. I released a $1 bill. 
I said, if you find this stupid dollar bill and uh, it's, the, it's the serial number that I showed on the video, I will give you $10,000. And to this day, that, uh, that bill has never been found. Uh, James Morris, thanks for the intimate format. Oh, great way to spend time with the legendary radio personality. Oh, my, is that me? Oh, my. Love it. Uh, legendary radio personality with a haircut from his eight-year-old. Who does that? Nobody. <laughs> Do you believe in Bigfoot? Ah, hell nah. Because we would have found skeletons, like real skeletons of Bigfoot. So I say, hell nah. But I do believe in aliens. Oh, yeah. I believe aliens are all over the fucking universe. Or life is all over the universe. Because to them, because to an alien, they're like, hey, what, yo, relax. It's just my life. Why are you making it a big deal that we're aliens? I, we're just living our lives like you're living your lives on Earth. We might be more advanced, but that's okay. You'll get there someday. I think aliens don't care enough to visit us. Well, that's not true. Like, they're, if, if you're an alien, you're coming to Earth, you're like, oh, God, we did this, what they're doing on Earth thousands of years ago. So to them, they're like, who cares? It's boring to them. Why would they come here? Any life form that can make it to Earth, that means they're so much more advanced than us, right? So that's why. Why would they land and, and deal with our horseshit? They're like, oh, my God, we figured this shit out thousands of years ago. You guys are so far behind. James Morris, a great point on the Bigfoot skeletons. Oh, LOL, never thought of that. Of course, especially in this day and age, they're finding fossils all over the place. Just find me one. Just show me one Bigfoot skeleton. I mean, if they've been living in the Pacific Northwest, especially for all these years, they would have remains all over the place, right? Of course. Uh, I think octopi might be aliens. Maybe some bacteria on an asteroid that evolved over time. Ooh, I like that theory. I think cats are aliens. I think mushrooms are aliens. And you're like, what? Yeah, you got to think outside the box. Mushrooms are fucking... Do some research on mushrooms. That They're pretty fucked up, man. I feel like they come from another fucking place. And... and the story goes that the mushrooms came from like an asteroid or something and, you know, a few like spores made it to Earth. And that's why we have mushrooms on Earth and that they're from a faraway land, man. Of course they do. Aliens laugh at us watching us fuck shit up. Of course they do. Because they made it. I don't know if Earth's... Earth's ow, I just bit my tongue. <laughs> I don't know if Earth is going to make it. If some of these alien sightings are, are real, that means wherever they came from, they figured this shit out that we're going through right now. Certain news anchors are aliens. Look up Chris Jensing of MSNBC. Guitar pick-shaped head, wide-spaced eyes, tiny mouth, gray alien. There are more. Oh, my God. That's really funny, and I never really ever thought of that before. Very, very nice. We only have less than 12 years, according to AOC. AOC. She's full of shit. I've lived in this building. Um, been married almost 13 years. So, oh, my God, I've been in this building 15 years. That's crazy. And there's, like, there's docks outside here. I don't feel like showing them right now. The water level hasn't raised an inch. And I do believe in global warming. But as far as, like, the, the water rising in the New York City area... We have a long ways to go.
Opie, be honest. How fun was it messing with Richard Jenny and people like that? It was fucking amazing. I loved. I have no regrets as far as my past goes. Um, I loved all of it. I don't know if I would do a lot of the same bits, but we would fuck with Richard Jenny and make him do like he was a big time fucking comic. But I didn't feel like he he fit on our radio show, so I made him do these. What's uh, famously, uh, well, most people know now as uh, prison visits. He would have to call us on a phone outside the studio as he's looking in at on us. And then I would decide if he was funny enough to come on the show. And, uh, you know, it was really uncomfortable for everyone. And the more uncomfortable things got, I, I always, always loved that. I loved living in that space of uncomfortability. Uh, is it true that Howard would block any of his comedians from doing ONA? Well, it's been told to us over the years that... Um, yeah, uh, a bunch of his guests got a talking to, um, and basically said, you do O and a, you're, you're not welcome on our show anymore. That is a hundred percent true. Thank you, John McHugh. Opie was the best at pushing uncomfortable situations at NEW. Thank you, sir. Oh, Jesus. One of your favorite bits is when those, uh, guests drank spoonfuls of eggnog vomit for Super Bowl tickets. LOL. Cameron Baker, you got the story wrong slightly. It was for Super Bowl tickets. Um, I think, uh, was that one of the years the Patriots went to the Super Bowl? We went up to Boston uh, when we were syndicated after we got fired for the Sex for Sam and came back and we were on BCN, which was the arch enemy of WAAF, the only station that really rocks. They had Super Bowl tickets to give away and they're like, guys, we'll give you a pair of Super Bowl tickets. And we're like, fuck yeah, we can do something with, the, something with that. So we had a, um, what do we have? We had a New England clam chowder eating contest. And I forgot exactly, but I think we were trying to go for uh, whoever could eat the most clam chowder without puking won the Super Bowl tickets, I think. Someone puked uh, the clam chowder up into a big bucket. And then the contestants started taking turns taking spoonfuls of the... Uh, clam chowder vomit and uh i think that part of the contest was if i remember correctly the first person that could keep a spoonful of clam chowder vomit down one whatever maybe another pair of uh, super bowl tickets and then it was just it was just a it was just a puke fest at that point i took someone under my wings and now and, and the guy stabbed me in the back why would i ever mentor anyone else ever again no uh, Ken Kramer, you and Ant will always be radio legends. Well, thank you, Ken Kramer. I Yeah, even though uh, there's a lot of bullshit, unfortunately, uh, 100%, I believe that to be true. Joe Gam, what what happened to Anthony? Did he just lose his mind? He was not always racist on the radio. I, I mean, that surprised the hell out of me, too, to be totally honest with you. When I started uh, the Opie and Anthony show and, and uh, we dipped into politics and race issues, it was... We were always trying to find the jokes. And then um, it all changed when Obama became president. That's my recollection. And then I fast forward a bunch of years and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's angry. He was really angry. It, it surprised me just as much as uh, it surprised a lot of the listeners. Look, as far as that type of radio goes, he's good at it. But I, I didn't want any part of that at all. How I answer that, Joe, I was I was very, very surprised. Oh my god. 
the show was very, very different by the uh, by the end of the Opie and Anthony run. May the Lord be with you. I don't believe in organized religion, Dave Phillips. I believe in God. I believe God is everywhere. I believe uh, it's all about love in the end. I'm very spiritual, thanks to uh, you know Oprah Winfrey, Super Soul Sunday. But I'm not a fan of the uh, organized religion, my friend. You got atheism, right? And then you got religion, right? And then you got science, right? And they are having one hell of a battle royale. Who wins in the end? Does atheism win? Does science win? Does organized religion win? And spirituality is just hanging out on the sidelines like, I'll let you guys fight it out and we'll be waiting here when you're all done. You never liked being in the barrel. I think everyone was scared to tease you or throw jokes at you. Whatever. I think I've more than proven that I have no problem being in the barrel. Especially when I'm hanging out with people that I know uh, respect me, like me, think I'm funny. I can tell you this much. For many, many years, I knew that Jimmy and Anthony were against me. It was two against one. It happens. When you when you uh, enter into a, a situation where it's three guys, there's always going to be two that are closer than uh, the one. I was odd man out. I'm okay with that. It happens. But I also knew that those two guys did not respect me. Um, and didn't like me at all. So when th when they're taking shots at me, yeah, of course I'm 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 not going to go with it as much as you would with people that uh, you know respect you, that are your friends or family members, where you're all on the same page. That's where that came from. I think I'm more than pr I I think I more than proved that that was all bullshit after the ONA show broke up, and I did. The show with uh, Carl Ruiz and Sharon and Vic Henley and Krista Stefano and a little Voss in there and others. I more than showed that I could take a joke. And once again, that's out there if you choose. You can listen to this uh, stuff yourself and then you can make that determination. But I, I believe you'll go, oh, God damn, yeah, he, he can take a joke and, and he has no problem being in a barrel. What's different? I'll tell you what's different. I knew the guys around me liked me. Simple as that. What made you want to be in radio, Steve? I uh, it was an escape growing up in a in a household that was filled with turmoil and craziness. You found yourself, you know, escaping to your room, and when you're in your room, you're finding you're trying to find an escape, and uh, you know the radio is there for me. I mean, it sounds a little creepy, but it's the truth. Even something as dumb as uh, Casey Kasem when I was growing up, I remember being a very little uh, kid listening to Casey Kasem going, oh, God damn, this is pretty fucking cool to just go on the radio and, uh, you know, shoot the shit and, and talk about stuff. So I think it started out as an escapism from, uh, from a household that was, I talk about uh, my upbringing and my crazy mom and stuff, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of good in there as well, to be honest. But the good stuff is fucking boring compared to um, the turmoil, the craziness. Uh, Nero Wynn, my mom, um, it's been kept from us over the years, but severe OCD. I remember the day I was working in Buffalo. I was doing radio up there at the Fox, and my parents came up to visit me, and we went to Gabriel's Gate, and we were having a really, really good time. My mom was fucking cool as shit, by the way, when she wasn't dealing with her, her crap. Um, and we were eating chicken wings at Gabriel's Gate on Allen Street. And uh, I remember something felt different about them being there. And my dad looked at me 
with my mom sitting next to him and finally told me what was wrong with my mom. I only found out at 26 years old that she had a, an official diagnosis. My dad believed in my mom right to the day he died. And he was there for her, supported her, and, and every step of the way tried to make her better. My dad was an amazing guy. <laughs> was my mom on? Is that what you're getting at? She had big boobies. <laughs> was she on? Jesus. She was definitely a looker. My mom was definitely a looker. Jesus. Bravo to you, sir. Bravo to you. <laughs> uh, Alex Baxter, do you ever listen to any old O&A shows, clips on YouTube? Still a lot of new uploads. Do you think your kids will? Um, my kids don't really give a fuck that I was a big radio personality. They, they understand in broad strokes. That's what's kind of frustrating is uh, my, my son's 11 and my daughter's 8. And... It would be fucking cool if I still had a uh, successful hit radio show. Oh, my God. How great would that be where, you know, you know your kids could listen to it. But they get the uh, they get the semi-retired, he does this as a hobby guy, unfortunately. And so they don't really give two shits about it. I mean, they 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 respect it and they, they know how much it meant to me and all that. But uh, they're not blown away by that. In the end, I'm just their dumb dad. And they're like, where are you? We're hungry. And I'm like, I'm getting your food at Gabriel's Gate. I'll be home in a half hour. My son just wants to watch Marvel movies with me. That's all he gives a fuck about. Your kids should listen to all your hang-ups. It'll be interesting. I mean, someday, I guess they'll go down that road and listen to a whole bunch of stuff online. It'll be really interesting to see what they think. Hey, I always wanted to thank you guys. Uh Oh, yeah? Uh, when my wife passed away, you guys were... Uh-oh. Oh, no, did you hang up on... Oh, my God, you are... You are heartless. He was getting all choked up. Oh, you are fucking terrible. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> That, that is the worst thing I've ever seen you do. I just drooled. <laughs> that is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen you do. He was getting choked up. He was going to tell us what we got him through. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, that's fucking brutal. You've been wanting to talk to us for a long time. Oh. <laughs> Oof. I don't feel good about that. Woof. To hear that, um, I want to tell you, I'll <laughs> That was terrible. <laughs> wow, there's still a little fucking flicker of that guy left, isn't there? <laughs> there's still a glimmer of that fucking old school guy. Fucking crying. Oh, so is he. <laughs> Uh, driving a truck somewhere in Wyoming with tears down his face, feeling completely rejected. I know damn well they'll be like, who's that guy? But I explained to that, I explained to you, you know, when you're on the radio, for me it was always an exaggerated version of, of who I am. 
the only person that was the same on air and off air, I can honestly say, and I've uh, met a ton of the greats, was Brother Weeze. I even hear that like Howard Stern is really quiet and a really nice guy when he's not on uh, radio, according to a few salespeople um, that uh, we shared with the Howard Stern show over the years. One salesperson goes, it's too bad you and Howard don't get along because you guys are actually pretty similar when the mics are off. That's an exact quote. All right, give me a moment. We got a brand new sponsor to the Opie Radio podcast, Bird Dogs. Don't worry, on the way, more great Opie and Anthony questions, including my favorite era of the show. And Bird Dogs, it's about time. I've only been wearing this stuff all summer long. Bird Dogs, shorts, pants, joggers with built-in underwear are the most comfortable shorts, pants, joggers ever. I was literally living in their stuff all summer long, especially their shorts. Really nice. I was swimming in them. I was fishing in them. I was sweating in them. I was doing yoga in them. I didn't want to take them off, but they were starting to, uh, uh, to reek like low tide. Their stuff has built-in underwear, which makes it insanely comfortable. It's like angel wings beating on your balls. And yeah, they're perfect for doing literally anything. Beach, brunch, golf, pool, working out. Oh, they stole the Lululemons designer and they're now just doing it better. I was a Lululemon guy until I found bird dogs. If you like this podcast and you want to support me at the very least, go to birddogs.com, enter the promo code OP, O-P-I-E, and they'll throw in a free bird dogs whistle tip football. What is that? I don't know. I read that part. Everything else I just uh, talked from the top of my head. Oh, oh, now they tell you what it is. Oops. Remember those Nerf Vortex Howler footballs that whistle when you throw them? Oh, okay. The footballs you can literally throw a mile. Yeah, that one. A must-have for football season. Okay, now I know what it is. That's birddogs.com, promo code O-P-O-P-I-E, and boom! A free Bird Dogs whistle tip football with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off. I promise you. Go check it out for yourself. It's birddogs.com. Enter the promo code OPIE. And welcome aboard to Bird Dogs. What was your favorite era of the ONA show? Um, man, it's. Oh, wow. That's a great question. I think. Um, I mean, I hated the last. I'm trying to think. I hated the last five years of the Opie and Anthony show easily. Obviously, when me and Anthony started the whole thing all those years ago at WAF, the only station that really rocks, that was so new and exciting because no one really knew who we were yet, and we, and we both knew we were on a rocket ship and we couldn't do no wrong. So those times were incredibly exciting. Uh, man, I, I would have to say, though, in the end, I think the first... Well, not the first. I think our run at WNEW was my favorite because that was just pure insanity. We had no bosses. We had New York City by the balls. We had a whole entourage that came in every day and hung out with us. It got so crazy. We we uh, we hired shot girls to hand out shots on Fridays to you know the uh, the friends and family that showed up uh, for the radio show. Um, a lot of these people didn't even go on the air with us, but they just moved along with us. And it was just it was just a runaway train. We knew the whole thing was going to end in spectacular fashion because I think we had no choice because everyone 
would uh, tune us in every day going, holy shit, these guys are nuts. They're insane. And and I knew from where I sat, I always felt like we had to uh, up the game and do something um, you know, bigger than the last thing that we did on the radio. And then sure enough, we did the Six for Sam and that knocked us out. But I wasn't surprised when that happened because we just were out of fucking control. So I would have to say the NEW run was my favorite years. Although the early years of um, XM were right a close second, I would say. And then and then I would go with the WAF. And then the last five years of uh, the show, I can honestly say I, I did not enjoy that much at all. I don't know what a Doug Bell is. <sighs> I think someone said the other day, to be fair, that it's another Jim Norton character, I guess. But, but I don't follow Jim Norton on any social media. I actually have him blocked. I don't have serious XM. So I honestly couldn't tell you one thing about um, Doug Bell. I'm assuming it's another Jim Norton character. Is it good? Is this character going to make him happy, maybe? Will he finally live his life as Doug Bell? Because, man, by the end, I, I have no idea who the real Jim Norton was. Doug Bell is Jim. I, I sort of knew it was Jim, but I, I don't know anything about it. and never heard a minute of it. It's lame as fuck. Well, I mean, his characters do well, I guess. I mean, I know Chip is popular. I just, uh, I just hated when Chip had to become everything. Literally everything. Sabotaging radio shows day in and day out. Uh, was exhausting. <laughs> I hate his characters. <laughs> I I liked I liked uh, Jim Norton when he was doing Ted Sheckler Sh- uh, uh, or whatever. Uh, that was my favorite, Ted's Emporium. But he didn't do it a lot because he said it hurt his voice. I didn't mind um, Chip when he like peppered it in, but I. My frustration came when it just became so much more and we'd be in the middle of some pretty amazing bits or a pretty cool interview and he just had to interject chip into everything and I fucking hated that. So I liked it in uh, small doses and you know I thought it worked pretty well. I think the Uncle Paul thing was a terrible character. He was warned by management and stuff and look... Where I come from, you have the attitude that everything should go, but that pedophile humor, I don't know. I really believe it turned off way more people than than not. And management would even come to him and say, you know, eh, but Jimmy didn't want to hear it. He did not want to hear it. So to be fair, I hated Uncle Paul. If management didn't like it, it was probably hilarious, Casey and NorCal. Well, that's up to you. If you thought it was hilarious, you know, fair enough, man. In the end, it's up to you guys. But I think when you're trying to build a huge audience, I think a character like Uncle Paul absolutely hurt us. Jimmy would be the first one to tell you that in general, management never came to us about our shit. It was very, very rare. They really allowed us to do our our thing. Although they started taking a lot of our bits away uh, when we moved over to the serious facility. How crazy was the gay off? I hated that. I, I knew we were done. I, I kind of knew the ONA show was done before that, but I looked at I looked at Anthony that day. I don't know. I think the gay off was at the end of the ONA run. 
I think somebody could help me out with that, but I feel like it was pretty close to the end before Anthony got fired. Basically, it was guys that came in that were pretty desperate for money, and and to get the get the money from us, they had to do some some acts. Let's just say, kind of looked good on paper, but then when we started doing it, I was so disgusted and so out of it. I was like, this this is what our shows become, and I remember. Like I said, I can only speak for myself, but I felt like I looked at Anthony that day, and and there was like a there was a look in his eye, like oh Jesus, what the fuck are we doing? I really felt I I I, uh, I felt that from Anthony that day. And if you listen back to that show, you're not going to hear me and Anthony really participating much. I pretty much totally tapped out. I don't remember, but I feel like Anthony kind of tapped out, and I remember Jimmy giving me a look. Like, he was mad that we weren't, like, all in going for it and, and playing it out. And I just remember thinking, like, ah, oh, man, this show is over. This fucking show is over. Yeah, there you go. Oh, shit, I forgot about the uh, the goddamn gay off. It was weird as fuck. Yeah, it was really strange. And then there was a desperation to the guys because they really needed money. And maybe the old version of me would have kind of found that hilarious in some way, but I would just remember it being like, ah, God, this is so wrong, and I don't even know if it's entertaining. All right, Shepard Smith, the Guad is back, who doesn't like us, I think. Jim is a simp for trans. His Chip Chipperson character was stolen from the Jerky Boys. The fact that his character is bigger than him speaks for itself. Oh, my. Oh God! Please patch it up with Anthony. It's twenty years of relationship. We didn't have, we didn't have a twenty-year relationship. We had, we had two guys that had incredible chemistry, but didn't like each other when the mics were off. There was no relationship. Our relationship ended really early on after we moved to New York. Very early on. So, we moved to New York in nineteen ninety-eight. I believe sort of uh, in the spring, I think. And then we finally went on the air, I, uh, I believe, like uh, late spring. And, uh, God, within a year, we were totally done as far as having any type of relationship. And then we ended up uh, lasting another 15 years after that. So there was never a relationship, my friend. I'm sorry. Uh, what's your opinion on hypocrite con conservatives pushing cancel culture outrage? It's one reason why I'm not wokey and I'm not a libtard and I'm not a snowflake. I hate cancel culture. It really affects what I do, especially if I try to make another run at this officially. But with that said, then, you know, they're yelling and screaming about cancel culture, but then uh, they pick and choose what, what, uh, what they want to cancel. It's all garbage, man. I don't know why. We all support a particular party over the other one. They're all full of shit. They don't give a shit about us. To be a politician means that you have to basically just lie through your teeth no matter what side you're on. They're all morally uh, corrupt. They're all run by their goddamn egos and they're, they love the power of being a politician. But they don't have our best interests at hand whatsoever. Right on, Steve Tui, right on. Hearing the ecstasy of gold still brings me back. I still enjoy all of you in your respective gigs. Good. I like that. I'm not the, the me against uh, anyone guy. I just do my thing. If people like it, that's great. 
And if they like me and they like listening to the other guys, that's fine too. <laughs> I mean, you gave me the $10. I got to click on this. Let's see what this is. To be fair, if Jim and Ann never met Ope, Ope still would have had a radio career. It would be uh, Meth Head, Tin Knocker, Jimmy Dies on Fire Island, Mishap. Opie was the man who made it a show. Well, I mean, in the beginning, it was absolutely my vision. I was working with other guys before Anthony, and then Anthony came along, and he was a natural talent, really, really fucking funny. And I said, yes, this is the guy. And then, um, and then I picked Jimmy as well. Everyone knows that. I don't know if Anthony would have got a, a, another chance. I can't go back in time. And I was more than um, successful before Anthony. Look, when me and Anthony got together, I mean, holy shit. You know, like I said, we were on a rocket ship. But uh, I was already like, I mean, it's WBAB on Long Island. But I don't, I don't want to downplay it. I was number one in all my demos. And I had quite the following out there on Long Island before I met Anthony. And I, and I gave up a, a massive following and a massive gig in my hometown, basically, hometown meaning Long Island, to move to Boston and take a chance with Anthony. Because I believed uh, that we had something, even though I didn't even know the guy when we moved. I only knew him for a few months. That was it. But it's kind of horseshit when people try to say that I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be famous or successful without Anthony. I proved that I was. I absolutely proved that I was. It's all there if you want to check it out for yourself and do your own research. I, I was killing it doing my own show at WBAB. Uh, was Sam a kiss ass? Uh, 100%. I now know that he was just full of shit and playing me, which is really creepy and sad. I have no doubt about it that he was full of shit now. You would have found another talent if not Ant, maybe. And then maybe Ant would have, uh, you know, maybe he would have got another break without me and, and he would have done his thing. Maybe. Well, I guess I proved that. I found Carl, too. I mean, Carl was uh, obviously Guy Fieri's uh, friend and all. But I couldn't believe how talented that guy was. Holy shit. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming in, but I'm tired now. It's been a long day. I left this house like, God, what? Shit. Five hours ago to go to Get Parts, have a few beers, hang out with Matt, catch up with him, talk a little Pearl Jam. Talked about other things, and then uh, and then I came home to do this. So, uh, a little thank you to the haters. They toned it down a little bit. I mean, you're saying your shit, and that's okay, but you're toning it down just a little bit. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. And uh, if you're subscribed to the Opie Radio podcast, thanks for that. A lot of the questions that are asked in this room um, have pretty much most of them have been answered on the podcast itself. Although I don't really like um, dwelling on all this O&A drama. But I explained the other day. I was really relieved when I did the new show with um, with uh, Carl and Vic and Sherrod. Because people were talking way less about the O&A drama. And then I feel like when Carl and, and Vic died within six months of each other. And they were the backbone of uh, my friendships in general. And... Uh, and my career, my professional career, I lost both those things. I felt like after they died, I was pushed right back into the ONA drama. And I know it uh, it gets the clicks. I understand that. Oh, dude, the, the shit I can say, the videos I can make. Oh, my God. They would get millions of views. 
millions. I'm not stupid. I, I understand that. But I, I, I sort of just want to kind of move on and then, you know, maybe touch on the past here and there. But lately, I really do feel like it's been a, a lot of ONA drama. A lot. And I really believe it's based on the fact that Vic and Carl both died and, and it pushed me uh, backwards. Who are these podcasts is one of your haters. Okay. I, I don't know who they are. I've never listened to them. Why are they hating on me? Why? Why? The one thing I'll say is, man, the format that, that you hear out there, whether I get along with the guy or not, me and Anthony paved the way for the, the way you fucking listen to things. And I know that is pulling a hoo-hoo, but prove me fucking wrong. Prove me wrong. Now everybody is just hanging out. They know they don't really need a lot of show uh, prep or direction, and they can just turn on mics and go. Prove me wrong that that didn't come from the Opie and Anthony show. And also the other trend where you uh, where you find clips of things and just beat the shit out of out of the people that are uh, on those clips. No one was doing it to the extent we were doing it back in the day. Prove me wrong. So when a show like Who Are These Podcasts making fun of me, go F yourself. I paved the way. You wouldn't even know how to fucking do this if you didn't listen to the Opie and Anthony show. You stupid fucks. Boo 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 bo